Welcome to Education Rx. The education system in the U.S. is sick, and we all need to find ways to heal it. I'm Holly Bronson. I'm Shannon Donaway. Together, we have almost 50 years of experience working as professionals in a school setting. We may not have all the answers, but we're looking for people who have a piece of the solution puzzle. This is Education Rx. All right, so today we are going to wrap up our short season that we had, season three, which was all about educational administration. We would like it to be longer. It's just we have some phenomenal interviews that we are holding in our back pocket that we want to go ahead and release. So we might do a season three B, <laughs> second yeah, half. Some, second some half. add-ons here. Yeah. <laughs> Down the line, because we got some phenomenal people to talk to. At this point, we had five episodes we released, but we've got about four really phenomenal interviews with Matt Baudreau. I thought it was Boudreau, but he says Baudreau, so we'll go with Baudreau. Uh, <laughs> we have Devin Siebold. We have Paige Edmonds, who she works directly for Dr. Mindy Pels, who's a phenomenal author and physician. And she's talking about nutrition and some of the ways it impacts education and cognition. So we have just some really cool episodes that we want to get out. So we're going to go ahead and put those out and then we'll come back around to this because I think there'll still be things to say. We got some great people to talk to, but we were just having a conversation about what's happening in Houston, the Houston Independent School District last spring. The educational commissioner, Mike Morath, came forward and said, your district is not fulfilling its legal duty, is not making enough improvement. So they fired the superintendent and I guess basically the school board and has said that the state will replace those people. They will choose those people and put them in place. So it's not up for any vote. And usually school boards are voted by the community, but it's not up to them. It's the state doing that. (laughs) And we were reading about that and talking about that because this year they're just replacing those people and they're beginning the implementation of Texas has a new education system, an NES that they're calling it. And many schools have switched to it, but some of the goal that they said they had in replacing people in this district and really being aggressive in this district is they want to get this district up to the level that many of the privatized schools in the area are at, which is interesting because this is one of the very, very low socioeconomic districts in that state. 79, almost 80% of the population in that district, which includes 196,000 plus students, 274 schools in that district, almost 80% of them are low socioeconomically. And of those, 62% of the student population is Hispanic, 22% Black, 4.5% Asian, and only 9.5% White. And they're saying, we want to hold this public school district to similar standards that we're holding private schools too. And if people don't understand the money that comes in for a district comes from the taxes in that area. So it's a low socioeconomic area, which means there's not a lot of revenue from taxes. And that's what they're trying to run the district by. And they're comparing it 
to private schools where people pay, you know, $50,000 a year to go. Like, yeah, how can you do that? That is crazy talk. That is so interesting. I have heard of districts replacing principals and and sort of administration due to low performance and that kind of stuff. Sure. But it wasn't the state replacing them. It was the district, I, I think, is what I've seen in the past. But I've never seen a state take over an entire school district. It's really... In many of the interviews that we had this season, we talked about, because we were talking about leadership, and we brought up the book, Turn the Ship Around, multiple times because a yeah. lot of leaders have read it and are familiar with it. But what I find interesting is that it's a book written by someone from the military, L. David Marquette. And he's talking about in the military, the processes and the systems you have to follow. And we were talking about how education has a lot in common with military. It is pretty much government run as far as what you standards you have, how many hours kids have to be in classrooms, how many hours you have to teach core materials, what testing you use, what curriculum you use, how you get paid is all based on what the state decides. And Houston is going to, I guess the state is going to implement in that district next year for the 24-25 school year, a system that includes teachers being paid in large part based on test scores of students. Yeah, which makes me think that that's going to be hard to staff to yes. find enough teachers that want to work in those types of conditions. Yes. And then what else are they going to do to try and get student scores up? Like what is going to be their strategy? What else is changing? Well, they have the NES, the new education system, which when I'm looking at it, what they're saying about it See if I can find the article. I don't know any details about that. Yeah. Okay. It's a whole scale reform in 29 high priority, high need campuses. They include Whitley, Cashmore, Kashmir, and North Forest high schools, as well as the elementary and middle schools that feed into those high schools. They're saying that the schedules will look alike. The staffing model will be the same. How we pay teachers will be the same. In the next paragraph, they say something else about that, which is funny. How we evaluate teachers will be the same across those 29 schools. But then it says those changes include more than 90000 in pay and bonuses for teachers. That sounds like a good thing. Yeah. A slightly longer school day with more instruction time. Ugh. <laughs> Centralized lesson planning, as well as a stringent educator evaluation system based largely on standardized test scores. So when we interviewed Dr. Posse Salberg from Finland, one of the things that he was adamant about was that in Finland, they reduced the amount of instruction time for those core courses, language arts, math, science, history, those things, they reduced that. And scores went up. And Finland was number one in the world for academic scores and school systems while he was a part of that reform and when they were using that process. But in America, and they used research from America to determine that. And here in America, we're putting more time on kids. And the other piece to that is sure, the NES is a new system or whatever they're calling it, but doing something for longer doesn't necessarily mean they're 
going to get more out of it, right? So if we're teaching the same way and kids already not getting things out of it, so doing it for an hour and 20 minutes versus an hour, like they're still not going to be reading. Like you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> this article right? is insane. Yes. I mean, it just, uh, what they're talking about doing, I just really sincerely wonder because they're looking at test scores, which we know when we looked at the NAEP test, test scores in season two, episode two, we talked with Dr. Andrew Ho, which is one of the national people who experts on standardized testing and the NAEP testing, which is done, what is it, every other year, or every three years? Three, I think. Three years or so. Well, they, um, it was time to do it right after we came out of lockdown for COVID. And so they did that and released it in, what was it, 2022, fall of 2022. Yes. And those scores indicated that across the country, math scores were significantly low, like lower by 10 points, which two points is considered significant, lower by 10 points than any other decade that they've been, right? And language arts scores were lower by like six or seven points and science was lower by eight points. So everything was lower. And the NAEP test scores look at fourth grade, is it eighth grade and 12th grade? Yes, 11th, I think. No, it was 12th because it was science and they were saying they do it at the 12th grade only science. Oh, okay. I think, I'm almost positive. We can double check. I don't want to be quoted on that. <laughs> 11th or 12th one of the one or the other it's one of those right toward the end of your high school career and what's interesting about that is in several of these articles talking about the houston school district they're saying part of the issue was that the math and science scores were lower than they've ever been and they're using scores from 2022 to make that decision everybody in the nation was lower that how is that district supposed to be different especially when it's a low-income district and we know across the board, a lot of those families are two income households or a single parent trying to make ends meet, and they're probably working like crazy. And so when kids were at home and getting remote learning, they may not have had really great learning because a parent wasn't there to support them because they were trying to work and keep them fed and bills paid and those things. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that the data is supporting such a big change. And it, I found an article, it was the Archdiocese and then Pope Francis and Michael F. Olson, which looks like one of the priests, and then Leo Lindbeck III, which was March of, end of March, 2023. And they're when saying- When they announced this change. Yeah. And they were saying, basically, they're pushing for reform in Texas education because it will put parents in control. Now, stay with me on this really quick. They're citing a specific ruling that happened in Montana because families were feeling dissatisfaction with the pandemic policies, sensational stories of student indoctrination, and that they passed this law that gives broader use of public funds for private education. They're saying this is a catalyst to drive different states, including in legislation in different states, including Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Oklahoma, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia. And they're saying they're using this law to give more leeway to parents to choose where kids get educated and tap into those funds, which I have no problem with that. But what he's very interestingly saying is, 
that parents themselves should be the ones who are seen as the primary educators. Yes, that is correct. But how often does that actually happen, especially in a district like HISD, Houston Independent School District, when you have very low socioeconomic families? Like, that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to be the primary educator when you're not available all day for work, or maybe you haven't been educated and you can't help your kids with what they're doing. I don't even know what that looks like. And yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, of course, parents are the primary educator. However, don't we anticipate that that is like life education, not necessarily academics? There's a difference. There's a big difference. Like we as parents teach our kids to be good students, good people, how to act in public, how to go and do the things that they need to do in the world. However, I don't know how to teach reading and I'm a highly educated person, but I don't know how to teach my kid to read. I didn't even attempt it. So yes, I am an educator in my home, but I'm not the academic educator. There's a difference, right? Big difference. And so I don't know where the lines are and what the comments are really supposed to mean. Well, and I think what's tricky is that I think it's really powerful that we separate church and state. And I say that because people should be allowed to have whatever beliefs they want to have. And we shouldn't make policies and laws based on religious beliefs. We should make them for practical reasons so that everyone, no matter what their religious beliefs are, can agree on them. It's so important that we have some level of agreement. But in doing that, part of that separation between church and state is to take schools out of church and make them something that the state is in charge of. But at what level should our government have control over? I mean, you can't even, as a citizen, vote for the school board that represents you. That's weird to me. That feels uncomfortable. Well, and so now we're in the the school year where this has been implemented, I wonder how it's going, how the community is feeling and how the teachers are feeling and the administration, wonder how it all looks. I'd be curious to talk to somebody. I'm reading part of this article. Every classroom has a webcam and a Zoom link and it's on 24 seven. Ooh, let's, let's tune in and see what's going on in HISD. I, seriously, we could... We could have an episode where we watch it. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't want to do that. I That's know. So so let's actually take a minute to talk about the wonderful people we had on this season. In the middle of our season, I had sort of a conversation on social media with one of the teachers that we follow that has a social media presence, and hers is called I think it's called teaching to a teaching to a riot, I believe. Anyway. <laughs> And she puts up some really great posts, but she put up a post about being really frustrated with administration. And I reached out to her and I said, can you tell me some things you would like us to ask administrators, things that are problems that we could bring up? And she brought up some great ones. How are you pushing your district to boost substitute teacher pools? Very fair. There's not a lot of substitute teachers out there. That's hard. And when teachers are out, I've seen even in one of the districts you and I worked in, when teachers were out, Teachers were in the school that were there that day covered their class over their prep period. 
Do you remember this? Yeah, that's a whole program. Teachers Mm -hmm. for teachers, right? Or something along those lines. Teachers. I mean, they were getting paid some for it, but they weren't getting the substitute rate for it. What's it called? I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I haven't, I don't know any details on that. And some of that was just because they didn't have substitutes. They literally didn't have people to cover. Let's see. She said, how do you protect your teacher from unnecessary policies or legislation? This is a great one, but that's hard. That's hard because a lot of things are mandated at a level that supersedes a principal, a district administrator, a superintendent, or even a school board. They don't necessarily have control over that, which we kind of learned when we talked to one of our interviewees this recently. Right. Well, we talked with Kristen Smith in episode four, and she was saying as a board, they had wanted to approach the state about reducing the school day because kids were coming home super tired and really struggling. And she said the state wouldn't let them, that there's mandated how many hours they have to be in classes. All right. The next question she asked She wanted us to ask, how do you keep tabs on the culture of your school and what do you do to improve it? And honestly, I have to say, Will McCoy in episode one and episode five and Doug Fisher in episode two and Michael Allen in episode three and Kristen Smith in episode four talked about this issue a bunch. Things that they are trying to do, things that they did in their role as either a principal or even at a higher level to improve relationships in their in their buildings with their staff including not going to a million conferences or being away at meetings all the time but being present in the schools and spending time getting to know the students and the teachers yeah they they all had a lot of really good suggestions will had a lot and then kristen smith did as well and kristen even talked about how you build culture for the district within the community as well which i think is super powerful yeah Yeah. And Michael Allen was talking a lot about honoring teachers for their expertise. And when it's something that you're not controlled by laws and government about what you can and cannot do, when it's something where you have some more leeway and teachers have recommendations, honoring that and trying that and giving their advice and their input value. And I thought that was lovely. Yeah, that definitely makes teachers feel heard and seen. And I think right now they don't feel heard or seen. I think a lot of teachers are struggling with that. She also asked, how do you ensure that teachers are able to prioritize relationship building with their students? Doug Fisher in episode two did a phenomenal job talking about some of this because he talked about even when a kid was having a behavior, instead of sending them to the office, having the administrator come in and take over your class and let the teacher step out and talk to the student about why, you know, like when you're doing this, it, I can't teach. Other people are missing out on this education. What do you, you know, what's going on with you today? Whatever it is, like trying when it's appropriate. Well, yeah, because they're the two that need to resolve something, right? They're the ones who need to talk it out and figure out a solution. So it makes sense that the teacher would be the one to leave the classroom. Yeah. And when teachers get so frustrated, oh, the kid was gone for five minutes and just came back. But if they would have had five to 10 minutes to really talk with the student and work it out, I mean, I think most relationships are built and strengthened when there is conflict and you resolve it together. That really strengthens that bond and that trust. And so that's powerful. And Will McCoy, I think in the 
I think in episode five, talked about how one of the things he did when he was a principal was he would buy a bunch of like Starbucks cards and he would randomly go into a class and give the teacher a Starbucks card and said, I've got this for 30 minutes, go take a break and let them go get a coffee or do whatever. And yeah. spend time with the class. And, and even Doug Fisher said, you know, I may not be a mathematician, but I can handle calculus for, you know, 20 for minutes. 20 minutes. And that's cool. I mean, like if an educator was coming in and giving you a break or just coming in and supporting you in your class and giving you a chance to go work with kids individually because they're there to also help, that's huge. And that is relationship building for the administrator and the teacher, as well as the teacher and the student. Well, and the student and administration too. Yes. Yes. Because the students need to see administrators in their building. They need to know who they are. They need to have And not just when something happens, not when they're in trouble. And Kristen Smith talked about how they have, I think, four kids on their board right now. They're non-voting members, but they get mentored by board members to learn about how to do the processes and how to make the changes and how to get up and speak publicly and all of those things. And that's amazing. Yeah, I think that is. Yeah, like they're not principals or superintendent, but they are part of the administration for the district and that's powerful. Yeah. Those are kids that are going to have amazing skills when they get out of school. You could take a kid who wasn't super interested and challenge them to be on the board and see what's really going on. And they may really shift. That could be powerful. She also asks, how do you help your teachers grow in their practice? And I think the last question was, how do you provide teachers with helpful feedback and assist with implementation? And those two are very tied together. And I think those questions are very much about the observation walkthrough annual six month and annual review where your administrator comes in, observes you teaching, has a checklist of things and then scores you. And that's sort of how they base your review. And I thought Doug and Michael and Will all had really, really good information about that. And they're really amazing administrators and they take the time to do a good job. Like Will was saying at the very beginning of the year, and I think Doug said this too, let the teacher see, this is what I'm scoring you on. Like, here's the paper and these are all the things, right? Oh, you can't see because I'm in background, but (laughs) these are the things that we're going to go through. Do you have any questions about that? Do is there anything that you feel like is unfair, whatever? I'm going to be coming through walkthroughs just from time to time for a few minutes, and then I'll do multiple observations before I do your full-on observation. And then after you do the observation, give feedback as immediately as possible and give the teacher a chance to give you as an administrator feedback as well. And do it in person. Yes, and don't email that. Don't send a hard copy. <laughs> that With is, little boxes checked or not checked. That is not relationship building and it is not very effective. Yeah, so I agree. I feel like in this season, we actually answered most of these questions. I was so grateful teaching to a right. Thank you so much for giving us those questions. Please, people, we love to hear your questions because we're trying to get those answers for you. We see and hear these things on social media and in our workplace. And we want to ask those questions because we want to know too. And so send those to us. It was a great season with some really cool information. Yeah, you might help us lead in a certain direction. Give us some suggestions. 
Oh gosh, of all I can't pick a favorite, but I really was, I feel like the dark horse interview was Kristen Smith. And she's yeah. not like a big name that everybody would know, but she's an amazing human for all the dedication and time she's put into this district. And I really love that she is part of a group of people who are making big change. And she's taken that school district. She is part of a board that took a board that had nobody who had students in the district, everybody on the board, all the board members were non-connected to the school district except for as part of the community. And now 100% of the board members are parents of students in that district. And they've made some really cool changes. On our YouTube channel, we are going to be putting out all the full length videos. We have all of them, but one right now, and Will McCoy's will be out by the time this video is out. So we will have the entire season out on video, full length videos. We also have a bunch of little shorts so that people can get a sense of some of the things we were talking about in that episode. It would be incredibly meaningful to us if people would subscribe, whether they're listening to us on Spotify or iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, wherever you're at, Podvine, Pandora, Amazon, Audible, wherever. Wherever you're listening to them. Yeah, all of them. If you would subscribe on every platform. <laughs> <laughs> just go through your whole phone and yeah, just do it. Tell all your friends, whatever. It just helps us because the larger our audience has been getting, the cooler the people we are able to connect with and interview. And ultimately, our goal is genuinely to get good information out there and really get people talking about some of these issues so that we can see some positive change. And I think the next episode that's coming out will be with Matt Baudreau, because we're going to have multiple episodes after that that talk about different pieces of what he just talked about. Devin Siebold from Board Teachers and the Comedy Tour was great. He he was we a had little, so much fun. Yeah, he was a little shy at first, which is kind of funny. You think comedians are like super outgoing. He's kind of like quiet and reserved. But as we start talking about education issues, you see his passion and he really jumps in there. And I loved the episode we did with Paige because she was just full of so much knowledge. We might have to break that into two episodes. It's a lot of information, but very cool. So yeah, we've got some really good ones coming up. Excited about that. We have some cool interviews coming down the pike. And then we also are through our actual website is e2now, e the number two in the word now.com. And on our website, we have a page for our podcast and we will be adding a page for a new podcast. What's the new podcast, Holly? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Shannon. It is Tales from the Classroom. And for those of you teachers who have insane stories about things that you cannot make this stuff up, we will be (laughs) accepting those stories on that page on our website, e2now.com. You will be looking for Tales from the Classroom page. And on that page, we will have a link that you can email us totally anonymously your story we will make sure we won't use anybody's name even if you include it in the story we'll change the names the location all that stuff we'll change it so it's anonymous but we want to get those stories out there because i think a lot of people out in the real world do not understand (laughs) what some of you teachers have experienced and they need to know and other teachers should find it amusing as well to hear how things happen in other districts and what other teachers are experiencing our host for that podcast is actually a good friend of ours 
Matt Clark, and he is a special ed teacher. He's also a phenomenal artist and he's going to be hosting his <laughs> character, man. He's so funny. He's going to be hosting it. He will be helping to read some of the stories. We have different people to read so we can have male, female, different voices, but he's going to classify each episode with like a kind of an overarching theme using a little bit of tales from the crypt, twilight zone, dark humor with us. So should be pretty funny. I think it's going to be very entertaining. <laughs> yes, you should all listen. Yes, absolutely. So there will be a YouTube channel coming out for that. Our goal is to launch that on Halloween, October 31st, 2023. So be looking for that. And it will be everywhere podcasts are. And then we will have it on YouTube with the full length episode as well. Should be pretty good. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Well, I am so grateful for all the people who were able, we had one interview we didn't get to get done because the person got sick. And that is a female administrator of over student support services and special ed out in California. We're going to get with her later on and we will throw that in and let you know it's part of this series down the line, but we had to let her get better. You know, we didn't want her on here miserable. (laughs) No, that's no fun. There's no fun. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We're making this a short episode, but we wanted to wrap up because we find a lot of people pull our wrap up episodes just to kind of get information about what the season was about. So definitely check it out. First episode, season three, episode one was more about superintendent level and district level administrators. Episode two was more focused on administration in general, particularly principals. Same with episode three was more focused on school-based administration. Episode four was really focused on school boards, which I think is a big piece that a lot of people don't understand. So that one was such a good interview. Please listen. She touched on so many things and had such great insight. And then episode five, we wrapped up with Will McCoy talking a little bit more about district level admin, but then also really focusing on principles and buildings. So it was really great. We talked about reviews and observations. We talked about discipline. We talked about teacher respect, managing when people are unhappy with you and what you're doing as an administrator. So whether you're a teacher or you're an administrator or your family who has kids in the district, school board, community member, there's something in here that will touch for you I think for everybody, we found it very interesting. There's a topic for everyone. For everyone. Everybody go out there and just know we're working on this. We hope you're working on this from your angle. It takes all of us. Together, Together, we we can can do do better. better. We will see you in the next episode with Matt. Bye.